Hello and welcome to Pedagodzilla, the pedagogic podcast with the pop culture core. Today we'll be answering the really stupid question, how does the Addy model help you steal the magical diamond of pedagogic wonder? <laughs> That's a really stupid question today. Um, anyway, to help answer that question, we have two Bob. One of them is me. Hello, I am Mike Collins. I am a learning designer with the Open University. Uh, imposter syndrome incarnate and a man with a microphone and i am joined as ever by my capable co-host i'm mark childs and i am a national teaching fellow (laughs) (laughs) for any of you who knows what one of those is yeah what is a national teaching fellow when it's at home it's an award they give to um 50 people in uh higher education education Higher education, education, <laughs> as Whoa, as so meta. education uh, in HE uh, for their contribution to teaching in universities. And so it's been going about 20 years, I think. And so there's quite a few already been made fellows. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of like the Oscars for teaching. That's very cool. Congratulations. Thank so you what, very much. Um, do, do you get, uh, you know, I don't know. Do you get to wear a sword now when you, when you <laughs> I don't know. do uh, I get a teaching? Medal. I don't know if I get a medal. I get, just get to stick it on my signature on emails, and people go, "Ooh!" If you've heard of what it is, anyway. <laughs> so, how, so what did you, what did you do? What did what was like your? Um, it's kind of like that. It's kind of. Did you like, save a teacher or something? No, <laughs> it's just for. Uh, no, it's for a combination of the research I've done and people, and the fact that people have used the research and projects I've worked on, and 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 a whole history of you know just doing the learning design type of stuff and things like that, really. There's a few learning designers have got them, but it tends to be people that have been teaching a bit. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, are you ready? Should we, yeah, should we I am, in? yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So how does the Addy model help you steal Magical Diamond of Pedagogy Wonder? We have two components of that, the Addy model, and we also have the Magical Diamond of Pedagogy Wonder. Nope, only kidding. It's the stealing element and particularly heists. But anyway, let's break that down in the first part of the show. Part one, the question. Okay, so I haven't focused on a specific movie or TV show or book this week for this, mostly because I love heist movies and heist things in TV. Like, there's just something about them that really tickles me. But the thing about heist movies is that all of them, at least all the recent ones, take the heist formula and then break it somehow which doesn't work for what I was thinking of here, because I think that the Addy model maps really nicely to heists, but can't do that with most of them because most of them break it. So I thought we could look at it like heists as kind of like a general genre okay. of uh, of entertainment, because they're brilliant, aren't they? I mean, um, the ones I have uh, sort of watched recently, got uh, The Italian Job, Ocean's Eleven, uh, mm. and the new fantastic Mr. Fox film, mm-hmm. uh, which were all great. Um, but then you've also, you know, Rick and Morty did a really good um, take on what sort of piss take of the heist genre. Oh, uh, yeah, because everything is like that you planned before it was and everything's a heist within a heist and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff, yeah. Oh, two double crosses and a switcheroo. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and there's the assembling the team bit, which is also a key bit of the uh, heist thing. I mean, one of my favourite heists is uh, Bada Bing, Bada Bang, uh, the episode, DS9 episode where they have to break into a casino in on the holodeck in order to oh, save so cool. Vic. Do you remember that one? Or you have seen that No. One? Uh, no, I, really I, I, I definitely seen it though because I watched all of DS9 um, yeah. so, last year. Uh, and it was I mean obviously it's holodeck one so it's a bit out of the normal out of the norm but of course everyone's got their own separate roles and they all have to come together and then there's a slight switch where things don't quite work out but they manage to get it you know they manage to do everything they need to do anyway. So yeah, so um yeah, and I mean, uh, End Games good is a heist movie, mm. really. Where they, but it's sort of not six different heists. It's about three different heists. All I was going to say concurrently, but of course they're not concurrent because they're taking place at different times. Yeah, so that's a heist movie because they have to sort of steal the infinity gems or infinity stones from different from different places and times and stuff. One of which is Durham Durham Cathedral. <laughs> oh. I found out like recently, uh, Asgard. Was filmed oh, that's so cool! Yeah, yeah. Oh, Durham gets Durham gets all the fun. They get Harry Potter. <laughs> they get cheap yeah. bit of Avengers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, they get me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Mark. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Harry um, Potter, Avengers, Mark Childs. In, <laughs> the triumvirate. <laughs> <laughs> 
I kind of I decided to be do a little bit of research into what are the best heist movies, mm-hmm. um, and it turns out there's bazillions of them, lots of which I've never watched. But they also, as you sort of say with Avengers, the whole heist kind of sub story crops up in absolutely everything. I mean, uh, you've got a kind of a small take on it in The Hangover. It appears in just about everything that's parodied. Any time where you've got uh, some characters have got to come together to do a task and make a plan to do it, the inevitable kind of uh, heist move music starts playing. Uh, you get like the heist episodes in just about every long running TV show. Yeah, it's a really kind of um, ubiquitous um, trope. Is that the right word? Trope? Oh, that's the word. When you paused, I was going to jump in and say trope. <laughs> Yay! Oh, <okay. laughs> um, and yeah, and it, but it, but it's you know it's utterly utterly uh, wonderful. I mean, I've got kind of I guess to sort of break down the basics of a heist some of the uh, the steps here in front of me but um i don't know if you want to kind of give your understanding of what makes a heist a heist well i suppose it's yes it's it's a lot of people come together to make a to um steal something so um yeah usually it's a really tricky it's a bank or it's something really tricky like a moving train or whatever um you need lots of different skills to come together all at the same time there's a lot of a lot of it is about building the team and then it's about planning it and usually um they usually go into in the movies or whatever the plan in some detail so that you can see what's meant to happen, and it usually involves lots of maps and things and people doing stuff. And that I suppose the thing is is that it's it's enacted. They go through it. They start doing the heist. Something always has to go wrong at some point because otherwise it's obviously uh, it, there's no drama there because it's like <laughs> this is the plan. The plan happens and then it's all resolved. Uh, and then um, and then they go through it. There's a twist. They still get through it somehow because they have to think on their feet halfway through. It all comes out okay. And then they go off to count their takings, basically, apart from the Italian job, which, of course, doesn't end like that. But no. that's the exception, and it's really infuriating because it is the exception. But all <laughs> the other ones, you know, it's um, that's it. And everyone goes on their own personal journey and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and it's a nice formulaic thing on which you can add in lots of action there are lots of different scenes and i think there's something i mean with any trope the a lot of the appeal is the familiarity of it in that it does have those stages there is the building the team and then there's the planning and all that and also how it works against the trope so you've always got those two things playing out when they're being Mm. created that's about it really yeah i think well i think it's how things kind of go against the trope that's always the bit that's most interesting to me because it's such a well-established framework it's such a nice a nice safe framework to play within that you'll see like you know italian job great example because the happy ending isn't there yeah you know that's the uh you'd normally expect them to kind of you know ah the uh the heisters got that stole the treasure but they also found themselves and they became friendships and oh <laughs> betsy patched up his marriage and that's like no italian job they're stuck over a cliff because of their own greed yeah fantastic um <laughs> is that a spoiler you know, Oh no! It's, everybody must have seen it by that by now. Yeah, talking about the nineteen sixties Italian job as well, rather than the two thousand and something don't, don't rather the, poor remake. I don't even remember there being a remake. Oh, it was terrible. Well, they did it in New Minis, and I do love the New Mini, but it just didn't have quite the same charm. It was all a little bit too glitzy. You've got movies like Now You See Me, where they really, really play the whole kind of um, switcheroo and distraction angle, where it likes, oh, everything's gone wrong, but it's all part of the plan because they're magicians unique twist for them is that they're all crazy magicians you've got fantastic mr fox where the crazy twist is that um he's a fox it's pretty good mm-hmm. um but he's doing crazy planning you know it's um that's actually a really bad um example of a breakdown of that you watched you watched fantastic mr. yeah fox i watched it day. last night in anticipation of this and really yeah i'm not just sure how much it fits the normal heist movie because he tends to just play things by ear basically doesn't he I mean, mm. he plans the first three heists of the first three farms, and it also goes against the trope a bit in that normally there's a really good rationale for them wanting to do this. So, like in Bada Bing Bada Bang, it's because they want to save Vic Fontaine's life. Um, no, his life is sentient, sentient AI, but it's like unless they clear the program, they can't just turn him off and turn him on again. That'll wipe him, so they have to do something to save him within the context of the holodeck you know the infinity the infinity stones they need because they uh because thanos has just wiped out half of the universe and they can't just go back and change that because of that's not how time works um they have to go back heist the the gems come back and then fix it in the present time 
So that's that. So there's a rationale for it. Whereas Mr. Fox just does it because he's he's a wild animal and he has to steal chickens, and that seems a poor motivation, really. But well, I don't know. Um, he's got he's got to eat. He's got to feed his family. Well, he, yeah, but he, it was more that he needed the he needed the rush of actually breaking the law, didn't he? But it was was what it was really about. Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh, maybe that's not such a good moral, that one. I mean, they are trying to starve him out, like, for most of the movie. That's... Well, he's just poor, isn't he? I don't think they're starving him out. He's just got no money because he's um, cause he's a journalist. <laughs> Journalists don't make <laughs> enough money. <laughs> so well, it's I've just sadder been, and sadder, talking? actually. Yeah, yeah, and he loses his tail and everything, and they, they actually end up living... Un- oh, God, well, that would be spoilers. But it doesn't end great for them either, really. So um, I was just looking up on Wikipedia what the very first heist movie was, and it was The Asphalt Jungle. Have you ever seen that one? No. Is that the one that um, where dreams are made of? Oh, this um, is I can't remember who's talking about it. Was it Beyonce or something? Asphalt Jungle, where dreams are made of. I don't think so. New it's York. Not, I, I don't know. It's, uh, anyway, it's 1950, film noir heist movie. Hmm. So they go back quite a way. I mean, that's 70 years, isn't it? So there we go. Yeah, but I suppose you could probably trace the the heist movie all the way back. To, it's probably one of those things where you can trace it back to like Greek mythology or Norse mythology. I mean, they were forever, you know. Well, some I god, suppose... some god had something. His mates had a plan to nick it. I suppose the I suppose the Iliad's a heist movie, isn't it? In a way, it's a heist. You know, the, there's the Trojans meant to be um, hijacking not the Trojans, the Greeks trying to um, hijack heist Troy from the Trojans, and they come up with this plan with a big giant wooden horse. And all that sort of stuff. That's is that heisty? It's kind of heisty, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's pushing the definition a bit. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of source material in those days, did they? I think, <laughs> I think they were still on like Oceans Three or Four. Uh, yeah, back in, yeah. Uh, back when the Greeks were on. <laughs> so, okay, so I think we've kind of okay. broken apart um, sort of the heist okay. genre a little bit. <clears throat> Let's talk about well, the actual focus of the episode. Uh, Addy, mm. uh, Addy, an instructional design model which has a pretty snappy acronym, which means that it's probably the best one. Yeah. Do you want to get run through what it is then? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, was just waiting, I was wondering if you were going to challenge me on it being in the best one just because it had a snappy acronym. So, <laughs> no. I, I am well, firmly of the belief I, that I was acronyms good, yeah. maketh the th- acronym maketh the man. I, I, I think that's all you've got with the Addy model is just the acronym, but we could go into that anyway. You tell, you tell people what it is, and, I, and then I'll say why I think it's shit. <laughs> oh, yes, brilliant. Okay, so uh, A-D-D-I-E, Addy, uh, starts with analysis, then design, then development, then implementation, then evaluation. Digging into those a little bit. So it's uh, basically a, a step-by-step of how to um, approach instructional design essentially from end to end. So the analysis phase is you start your project and what you're doing is you're shaking everybody's brains um, to see what drops out. So you try and identify the needs of the learner, um, what learning problem you're trying to solve, what you know at the moment, uh, what your goals are, um, what the kind of the context and the environment is and what constraints you might be working under. Then you start to actually design the thing. So you're taking uh, what you know and what you're working with. Uh, and you're trying to nail down things like uh, what your learning objectives are. Um, you're trying to kind of plan out your curriculum. You're perhaps starting to develop your prototypes. Um, you may be thinking about how the users and students are actually going to uh, engage with this learning. And you're starting to kind of figure out the activities and the content. Then development, which is actually just, you know, make the thing uh, in a distance learning environment. That would be kind of like, you know, starting to build your VLE website, maybe your printing your big old stack of correspondence books or maybe you're starting to design all your, your teaching resources but you're doing it based on the spec that you've developed you've sort of been developing a design spec along the way and then i'm going to jump in there and say the design development can be quite iterative so that you might finish your development and then go back and redesign and then develop so there's a sort of cyclical thing at some point while you're trying to make sure that you've you know, you don't want to get into perpetual beta, but but you know, you, you do sort of maybe do a slightly different redesign, which you've got it fairly developed. I've just been in that phase with something I'm doing at work, and you just think, yeah, this is what's going on. Is you know, we've got a final product, but people aren't happy with it, so we're going to tweak the design and then develop it a bit more, and then it's ready to go. And then you're into the I phase implementation. And by the way, oh, I knew you liked Addy. 
see. He's, he's all about it. I like, oh, no, loves it so much. He'll even no, throw no, it. No, I still, I still, um, I still let, uh, We will get onto why I despise it later. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's implementation. So you've got it. Um, you've got yeah, you developed a product, bit of teaching, uh, ready to put in front of people, and you slap it up wherever it's supposed to go. Um, and you also, at that point, um, you know, if you've got uh, tutors and whatnot, uh, or teachers who need to be assembled, then you know, you've got them all set up and you get them all out there, and it goes out into your physical, digital, um, or conceptual classroom to be imbibed in people's noodle heads. Uh, and then evaluation. Um, mm-hmm. So once it's out in the big wide world, uh, you're then starting to do your kind of your formative evaluation and summative evaluation so you're looking at how people are doing with it uh, the kind of experiences that people are having with it where your pinch points might be what might be going really well that you can feed forward into future designs what might be going catastrophically poorly that you really really wish you'd never done and needs to be urgently fixed and that kind of thing and then yeah it all sort of feeds back around into the start of your next um next production mm-hmm. and now i'm gonna throw the floor open to buy mark hates addy because that's just really obvious. <laughs> I mean, that's not a thing. That was just she would sit down and just say, "Oh, okay, we're going to course right then." Okay, so what, what, first of all, you probably have a phase before that, which I noticed some people have, which is the P phase, um, which is like planning or whatever. It's like, well, what do we actually need this for? And then you start, you know, business case and all that, and then your analysis: how do we all put it together? And then you design it because you'd sort of think through all the steps. You'd then sort of uh, develop it. You'd have to make it and all that sort of thing. You'd then do it. And then you think, how well did that go? That's not a thing. That is just what you do in life, in everything. All any, all anybody has done with the Addy model is taken something that is self-evident and bloody obvious, and they've just come up with a fancy acronym, and that's all it is. It's somebody trying to sell uh, it's new wine in old bottles. No, it's old wine in new bottles or a bottle. It's basically they bottled something that's bloody obvious by sticking an acronym on it and making out that they're coming up with something intelligent. And it's not. It's just. It's just what you do. I can't even think. I think it's, why is this even a thing? You know what I mean? Oh, Mark, I I, I counter that. I um, go on yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- okay, so I think yes, a lot of it is self-evident okay because it is how you would i mean saying that we are learning designers so hopefully you know you and i would approach this from a design perspective but i think this model is particularly useful if you are starting from scratch you know it's oh god i need to design a piece of instruction i need to design Mm -hmm. a course how the hell do i do that i'm you know i'm billy uh i don't know Billy Axe Murderer has just been dropped into, I don't know what Axe Murderer, just been dropped into the middle of a class. Okay. Like, okay, we need to, I need to design a course on axe murdering. Yeah. How the hell am I going to do that? All I've known is how to do murders with axes. Okay. And this gives you a nice kind of, a nice step-by-step framework that you can follow. But wouldn't your first step be to think, well, what do I need to do? Isn't that the first question you'd ask? Is that really a framework? Well, yeah, I, I think that's, what, I think that's what you would ask. But I think having something like this that you can refer to and go, you know, I mean, Here's a great example, actually. Um, okay. So uh, when I have worked with teams previously who are desperate to jump straight into the design phase, you know, the analysis phase isn't so important. To them. They're kind of like, oh, we think we know what we need, dash straight in. And the acts of kind of, you know, manually walking through the design phase, uh, sorry, the analysis phase, and kind of going, okay, so what do we actually know? What are the actual goals? What are the actual constraints? The analysis phase is where you might pull in things like lessons learned from previous um, designs. So, you know, things that hadn't worked so well on previous bits of teaching that you'd created, that's the kind of thing that you would pull up in the analysis phase. And I think there's always the temptation when you've got a piece of teaching to design and a deadline to just jump straight into making it without taking that kind of that pause first to do a bit of structured thinking. I mean, maybe if you were going to really drill down into the details of what do you do at each stage. So, for instance, we um, at the OU... There was the core offer that learning design do that mm. um, we now do at Durham, amazingly enough. Um, <laughs> that's very similar. Um, what, what a weird coincidence. I know. I know. How, how could that idea have Somebody from one university had moved to the other university and been asked to come up with something and thought, well, you know what, rather than reinvent the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Is it called like the offer of core or something? Oh, we just call like, it. Just it's, <laughs> no, it's I, 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 the, the, my, main, um, my main input was to come up with an acronym for it. Um, which um, so we got the prelim. Oh, and also to add, 
I think one of the things that is really useful is just take that initial step back and go, actually, what are we in this for? So I think that's often something that does get missed out. And it's basically, it's, oh, we went through all this with the learning design thing and Hogwarts. It's like, that's Mm. the first question is, you know, what is our fundamental goal, even before looking at learning outcomes? Mm. Uh, But then, yeah, looking at learning outcomes, constructive alignment, all of the things that need to feed in, workload, um, issues that have been identified before. So I think if you're breaking it down into the minutiae of what are these different things going to be, then that can be quite useful. But I still don't think that just having those five steps laid out is actually adding anything that, that specifically, because at that level, I, I still think it's pretty much, you'd be a very odd person to just jump in and and just do something without without planning it to some extent, to, without analyzing what you were doing and working out how you were trying to do it. I, like, so for instance, the end game stuff, you know, I mean, a big chunk of that movie is about um, is about Tony Stark being convinced to try and think about how do you travel back in time? Is it possible? You know, and um, what are the problems of traveling backwards in time? And what does the quantum realm open up for you as far as time travel goes? And so, and then he because he runs all the simulations and he does all the, and he does the analysis. Now he's not working to the Addy model. It's just that if you wanted to go back in time and steal some Infinity Stones. You would have to start with an analysis anyway, because otherwise you don't know what you're going to be doing for the rest of it. I, do you know? What, yeah. Do you no, know what I, I'm trying I, to get I, at? This I don't I, see I how that, that model's bringing anything insightful to your process because because you can't start with anything else other than analysis. I, I, anyway, okay. Can yeah, but okay. Let, let's, okay. Well, for starters, then let's say it's not okay. Tony Stark, genius scientist who invents the Iron Man suit, okay. um, doing it. Let's say it's Hulk. <laughs> Well, it's Bruce to... Banner who came up with who sort of came up with the, who was pushing him to do it, wasn't it? So oh yeah, but I'm saying Hulk, not Banner. Oh okay, okay. So you know, Hulk, Hulk would smash. Hulk would go straight to implementation. You'd be like, no, Hulk, think mm. what what we know about what we want. Smash, how smash? You know, that's you know, you're you're rolling it back. And I think as well, it's um, you're you know, you're able to talk about um, you know, Tony Stark planning that this is rapidly becoming a Avengers Endgame heist. <laughs> <laughs> so, I need a retcon in the intro because um, it's actually working quite nicely. But um, the um, you're, you're, you know you're talking about uh, Tony Stark doing that initial kind of planning and analysis mm. against that kind of context. You know, it, it does add a, a narrative context to what you're doing to the journey that you're going through. But also, he's yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, you wouldn't do anything about time travel unless, unless you'd read David Deutsch, for instance. And they refer, reference David Deutsch's work in the field and about you know. Uh, quantum mechanics and how that can resolve the paradoxes in time travel and about how the multiple worlds theory works and all that sort of stuff so they've got the groundwork there and that's a familiar that's a shared language they're using when they're discussing the issues and i mean hulk's never going to kind of travel in time because you can't just do it just by smashing i mean in superman one the chris reeve movies he travels back in time by by turning the earth backwards and that's not how it works he's obviously done no analysis there and that okay okay they're all just movies but that's just so far-fetched it doesn't even bear thinking about really it's like (laughs) what you would do is just have everything hurled off the planet because of the centrifugal effect of everything being of the earth stopping and that would just kill everyone which is resolves the problem in a different way i suppose you couldn't do it without that initial analysis, or you you could, and you wouldn't wouldn't get anywhere. I would I would argue, but um, I don't know. Des- and design, you have to design something before you can make it. You have to think about it before you do anything, don't you? Well, I, you see, yes, that is definitely the right way to go about things. But I mean, I definitely frequently fall into the trap of going, "I'll make a thing," um, and just starting making it, and then ending up having to do large swathes of it again because I haven't given sufficient thought to the actual design of the thing uh, usually when i'm halfway through the bugger well yeah case I mean, in point uh, this episode <laughs> <laughs> no i mean okay so you've got a design that there's a, there's a valid way of doing things which is called design methodology so you don't really know where your end point is when you start you only know what you what you've got what you need to do next once you've got something there and that's okay yeah, sorry, I had, I had, I had a spring. Um, just, like, <laughs> I've just had a. Um, Is this I've a got some... thing that you've designed without planning it properly? 
No, I've got, I've got some bits of foam holding the springs um, okay. on my microphone arm taut uh, to stop them from vibrating. And one of them just fired out across the... <laughs> okay, well, that, they need a bit more design behind it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, but then even then, even if you haven't done all of your analysis, you've done, you must have done some initial an- analysis to work out which way up this has got to go or which way around it's going to go, or how taut does this bit of foam have to be or whatever. And then, yes, you might design a little bit and then develop it and then do a bit more of an analysis. You're still doing those steps. You're just doing them, you know, you're just doing them more iteratively and you're not really working out what your endpoint is until you've got through that cycle a few times already. But it's still analysis, design, development. It's just been very, very short steps in which you go around in that cycle a few times. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on this. Okay. I'm, stick, I'm, I'm, dig, I'm digging my heels in. Which I'm this is going to be like, a short episode at this rate, though, is it? <laughs> well, no, I, I'm, I'm digging my heels in, but I'm conscious I'm doing this against a National Teaching Fellow as awarded by Advanced Yeah, Street, but I which, didn't get it for design. Did I did get it for design. Yeah, but, oh, no, well, this is... Yeah, well, which, which means you get like a, a Monopoly-style veto card which I'm put <laughs> down at pretty much free. any point. Get out of any argument free. <laughs> but only one. You've got to choose it really quickly. <laughs> no, I'm not choosing uh, this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't want to die on the Addy Hill. Um, no, no, it's not a hill I'm prepared to die on. I will admit okay, that. Okay, so um, I'm back to just kind of like contextualising what you're doing. Mm. A way that I think, another way that I think it is useful is going, you know, because it's got a... A lot of the interpretations of the Addy model, and there are a wide variety out there, have kind of like, you know, a set of points in them. I went through a few of them during my initial explanation. But it can also be something that you can apply to your own practice and organization. So you can go, okay, so what does analysis and design look like for us? What are our steps within that? It's Again, it's just adding that top-level framework so you can kind of put your own questions and bullet points in there and go, okay, so for us, our analysis is we are looking at who are the students uh, we're looking at what's the uh, the environment that we are putting this into you know it's it's kind of it's a set of top level questions and boxes that you can answer when designing your design approach well, i mean and it doesn't I, need to be Andy. well no it could be the kolb learning cycle which is an experiential learning cycle which is exactly the same steps yeah i mean i i, I, I i'm jumping i'm going to jump ahead of it now and say that so I, like, I think it's really important for having like that contest thing. I don't think Addy is necessarily mm-hmm. the one you need. I think it's the important thing is that you have one. Okay. Uh, it, I think having a a, a sort of a, a, fr- a design framework or design approach that you use is more important than the one that you use. I guess I don't. I mean, like when we were doing the core office stuff and we were coming up with these are the steps. I'd never heard of the Addy model then. It was just thinking. Well, we need to start off with working out what the groundwork is then we need to think about how do we put this into operation then we need to actually you know design wise how do we construct this then we actually need to build it then you need to implement it you can't implement something until you've built it you can't build it until you designed it you can't design it until you've you've thought about it so i think those steps inevitably fall out into just the sensible way of doing things and yeah maybe i mean maybe if people aren't doing like that you need to go hey stop have a think. Why are you doing it like that? Don't you need to think about why you're doing it before you start doing it? And they go, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) 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 Who does does that? (laughs) Who does that? So, um, I mean, I suppose so. I mean, I would say if you were going to sort of start moving around something more, uh, then, yeah, then, then look at the details of it and start implementing that. But I wouldn't kind of promote or use as a buzzword or as a, as a, a model, call a model something that is that is so ubiquitous and so obvious, and I don't, it seems like it seems like somebody's just <laughs> everybody's. So you could do that. It's like, oh, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say uh, how I'm going to have this thing where you in take in breath, and then you're going to breathe, and then you're going uh, to put push out the breath. Okay, and I'm going to label this, and now I'm going to actually create a little web page about this, and I'm going to sell this as a mechanism for stuff, and I'm going to call it breathing. You know what I mean? And I'm going to trademark it as well. <laughs> Just sell a trademark that while I'm at it, you know. Oh, my like, goodness. I'm the first person to come up with this concept of doing this. <laughs> I mean, I mean two, two things you said there. One is that you've likened it to breathing. And the other is that you've described the steps when talking about the core off ones as very sensible steps within yeah. that framework. <laughs> so, you know, you've not necessarily said it's a bad idea. It's just... 
oh, to, no, you, that, that, to you it's so fundamentally basic as to not need to be its own distinct idea. Exactly. That's it. That's what frustrates me about it. It's like it's not a model. It's how you do stuff. You know, I mean, I suppose I suppose it's nice to have the steps. Oh, it's useful to have the steps labelled. You would do that anyway. I mean, it's like um, the, the experiential learning cycle. You start off with um, analysis. You then... You know, it's the it's the planning stage, and then it's the uh, and then it's the design stage, and then it's the implementation stage, and then it's the um, reflection stage, and then you go through the cycle again. Yeah, um, it's just it's just the way that you get up and do your life. Really, I, calling it something just seems weird. Yeah, but I, th- I think you know, once again, adding adding context and your own narrative to that just feels really important. Okay. You know, I, an episode that I would love us to do at some point would be to design our own framework just for fun. Basically start with a bad acronym and see if we can um, start with something like, I don't know, BUMS or something. Framework for what? Oh, I don't know. Just like anything to do, like, you know, maybe an instructional design framework um, entitled BUMS, where we just kind of, you know, find some way to cram all the appropriate steps under B and U and just, you know, essentially show that I think just owning, you know, Addy is an example of a good acronym mm-hmm. um, over the top of a sensible approach to instructional design. And it doesn't necessarily need to be Addy. It could be something that you and your team and your colleagues own. And by the when you feel that mm-hmm. you own it, you feel more invested in it. It's the story that you tell yourselves about how you're doing the work that you're doing. So, you know, you could be working under the bums model or the pirate model. Yeah, um, pirate. Yes, yeah, so the pirates model is the one that we've, we're using. And um, and I will admit, I think two of, the fra- two of the stages are only in the sequence they're in in order to make the acronym work. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have the preliminary phase and then uh, and then there's a, I can't remember, there's the, I can't remember what they all stand Investigation, for. Inspiration. Investigation, inspiration. Inspiration, it might be an uh, uh, introductory phase where you're looking at all the different elements that you were talking about with analysis. And then you've got the reification stage where you make sure that those are, you've got concrete examples for each of those. And then, um, you know, and then there's accessibility and then there's the technology and then there's enhancing it. So it's another iteration where you actually speed it up a bit. Oh, I like that. And then you look finally at the scaffolding and the signposting to make sure that when you stand back from it all, it all makes sense as a single keer and whole. Um, and that's what that's what we came up with for, for Durham. Um, what we've done, what I've done, though, is this is the first time where I've admitted I've strung them all together as to one single acronym because I've been talking about the separate stages, but I've never once drawn attention to the fact that when you put them all together, it spells pirates. And so far, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I absolutely love it. But there you go. See, that's that's the story of, you know, how you're doing the work that you're doing and how you're taking teams through designing their teaching. Yeah, yeah, I I suppose so. And it wasn't, but I mean, there is the Addy model in there because the... You know, because the the reification stage is the same as the design and development stage and all that. And, you know, there's a, there's a few extra. I mean, I think part of the problem with learning design and the issue is that, well, you'll have known this with your own learning design workshops, is that at that design point, there are so many different factors to bring in. There's the actual basic pedagogy stuff with making sure that the learning outcomes are aligned with the um, assessment and with the activities. But then there's separate agendas like employability, like accessibility, like um, making sure the the balance is right between the different um, workload, between the different activity types, that the workload fits, that there's um, concurrency, there's no concurrency issues with other things being taught at the same time. All of those are enormously complicated if you're trying to introduce them all at once. So what I mean, I, different people work different ways, but what I always did um, in learning design workshops is do each of those phases iteratively so you get lots of different bites of the cherry. It mm. means that it takes a long time to do all that, but you know, um, it does mean that nothing gets missed out and nobody's overwhelmed by thinking of all these factors all at once. Um, and I think, yes, that's design and development, but just calling it design and development doesn't give you enough of a handle on what's going on to make it useful. You know, it's. I think that's what that's the issue I have. It's it's Addy. The concept is at the point at which it's self evident, but it doesn't actually give you enough structure to do anything necessarily particularly useful in its of itself. 
Yeah, well, I think that's down to kind of down to us. That's, um, yeah. you know, with with either the Addy or the Bums or the Pirate Framework. I don't know these Bums. Is that just something you made up? There's another yeah, stages I'd... in Bums. Bums isn't going to keep you going long enough. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, need, you need five stages at least, I would say, or at least six. Bumhole. The Bumhole Framework. Okay. Um, <laughs> Called Oriol. Called Oriol. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's... Um, it, You've got those those top level nonsense uh, yeah. acronym components, and then okay. you know you're actually uh, laying out the steps of what you want to do and okay. how you're going to do it within right. that. And I think that to me that's the important part of using any of these kinds of frameworks. Right, okay. um, and that's 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 there you go. I've 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 shot me shot me debris there. I've I've said no, that's, I think on, I think uh, you're right. Well, so yeah, I mean, so maybe you'd need to start with like I mean, I could imagine a lot of people starting with a with a, a business model for what you're trying to do. You'd take the undergraduate perspective, which would be really useful. You'd um, look at uh, sort of managing people's uh, le- learning processes. You'd want to take an holistic view of all of the different elements. Um, then you'd probably want to take a step at which you're looking at I mean, maybe revisiting outcomes um, and then um, kind of finding finishing perhaps with um, looking at you know, fundamentally what are what would the learners end up with or taking the learner perspective like your student personas and then finally look back on the whole thing and evaluate the whole process. So, you know, you've got business, undergraduate, management. Oh, yes! Holistic. <laughs> you know, it's easy enough to start with an acronym and come up with all the steps you need. <laughs> can, you, can you keep on going with that? I want to return to that. Business, undergraduate, management. <laughs> Holistic. Outcomes. Learn a perspective, evaluation. <laughs> you got anything for us? We can make it plural, we can make it bumholes. Oh, well, I think you still need that final sense making that everything fits together. Sense then, check. Yeah, your sense checks and scaffold. Business and <laughs> Oh, well done, Mark. That was quick thinking on your feet. That or too much latent ability in turning out nonsense. <laughs> acronyms. Related to acronyms. It was one of the prerequisites for my job. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be amazing if this episode went out and they actually rescinded your um, National Teaching Fellowship <laughs> based on the bumholes. If you wait until the 6th, then they can't do that. Charles, <laughs> <laughs> we need your gun and your badge. So I think we've given uh, the Addy model a good exploration and yeah. a good kicking. Mm-hmm. And we've also talked about how we love heist movies and particularly how Avengers Endgame is a pretty good heist movie. <laughs> Let's see if we can answer this, the question I've basically okay. forgotten uh, in the Diamonds. Part of the show. It's got so diamond in it or something. Part two, the answer. Okay, so how does the Addy model help you steal the magical diamond of pedagogic wonder? Never explain the magical diamond of pedagogic wonder, by the way. They're always trying to steal some sort of magical what's it, but it's never the real prize. Um, I should have probably (laughs) spoken about that earlier. But basically, how does the Addy model help you steal things? I guess we should also see if the bumhole model could work as well, but we can get to that later. Um... And we'll try, we'll try pirates as well, just to, for okay. good measure, to really, really give all the frameworks a uh, a good go. So, standard steps uh, for heist movie is uh, planning, recruitment, um, you know, goal, setting up goals, forming the team, uh, and then the job itself, uh, sort of executing the job itself, then iterating on the fly, uh, and then the resolution. Uh, also, mm-hmm. no, no major steps missed out there so let's map that along to addy and see how we go so should we do this with endgame that seems yeah okay yeah um... well there's the analysis where um tony stark spends a lot of time playing with different models about traveling through the quantum realm to and whether or not that actually enables you to travel in time and what's interesting is you know my theory about how all of the powers and all of the sort of things within the uh, mcu are all color-coded Oh, yes, we have covered that in a previous episode, haven't we? Well, um, what's interesting is that blue is the space, is, is blue represents space. And so when they go through a space warp, everything, the space warps are all blue because that's the space stone and the tesseract. And when they travel through time, they that's a blue warp as well. So they're actually not traveling through time, really. They're traveling through quantum space, which then resolves time because otherwise it would be the color of the time gem, which it isn't. So anyway, so that's what they're doing when they're traveling in time, is actually traveling through the quantum realm and coming out of a different space. That's 
I tell you what, that, is that some guy nerdy? in Marvel. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really impressed. It means that there's somebody in Marvel who's been paying as close attention to this as you. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is. There are very few writers that write time travel the way time travel works. Uh, and you know the Russo brothers, or I mean, they're not the people that wrote it, but the Endgame is one of the few, really. Um, but um, we can. That's another episode entirely. <laughs> Other stuff they're doing in the analysis stage, uh, so they're articulating their goals and objectives. Then there's the design stage where they are um, coming up with how would this actually work in in practice. So that they need the suits, they need the quantum realm suits, they need the quantum jumper. They need also there's the design where they're looking at how do they map their ability to travel through time. Well, there's the analysis which is where will the different bits of the, the, the infinity stones be at different times and then how do they then turn that into just three separate heists because at sometimes all three of them are in new york at the same time and then another one's in valhalla and then so basically they they, they work that way around there so there's that analysis and design about actually not just the physics but the the, the, the specifics of where do they go and who does what then they deploy so they all travel back in time well, this is uh, the development and implementation because development is where they have. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Or the, you know, the, the magic time travel thing is made. Yes, they were uh, made. The super it, time yes. travel platform is made, but also uh, their fancy time travel suits. And I, for once, have a good bit of movie trivia. Go on then about that. Yeah, their suits, uh, which are just like you know, kind of body onesies, completely CG. The designs weren't finalized. Um, so those, anytime you see them in their little kind of uh, oh. leotardy suits for the time travel bit, uh, they were total CG. Even Which the one crazy. on the rocket. Uh, even the one on Rocket Raccoon. Funnily enough, yeah. <laughs> God knows how they did it, getting all those little bits of fur. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah they okay. rocket as well. But yeah, even the active characters, those suits weren't real. They were CG. Oh, yeah. and I, I cannot tell. It wasn't until I watched an episode of VFX Artist React. Well, Anyway, sorry, sorry. That was yeah, development. Okay. And now we're on to... That's, yeah, that's development. And then there's the implementation where they actually go back in time. And here we have uh, your classic heist thing of... The plan's going, everybody's montaging, and then things start going wrong. Yes, basically Loki gets to escape with one of the um, with one of the gems, and so they have to then go further back in time before he stole it to actually, and they can only do that where there's also some pin particles around, so there's one very specific time and place where they can go back in time and then still go forward in time well, because you can't change the past, you can only change the present. So there's another there's another iteration where they have to do a reanalysis and then um, a redesign and then a redeployment and then a, de- a development and then a, and then a different implementation. But it's still that kind of re- process, and then they do that on the fly, and then they they kind of get to the resolution where they got all the gems back at the present time, and then can um, do an- oh, their own well. version of the snap, basically. Yeah, well, and and you know other unexpected things along the way, like <laughs> the two least popular Avengers having to decide which one um, carks it <laughs> in a desperately un- unemotional scene. I could have happily had them both go, but that although that wasn't. Uh, an unexpected thing. I mean, that was. I don't think that was necessarily part of the design and the. Uh, imp- uh, you know, that's an inevitable part of the implementation. That wasn't something going wrong on the fly. That was actually, if they'd had more stat, if they'd had more information in their analysis phase, they would have known that that would have had to have happened. It wasn't mm-hmm. something new thrown at us, the audience, because we already knew one of them was going to have to do that anyway. But it was new for them. It was new for them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, sorry, yes, the evaluation. Well, yes, the resolution. And I suppose, actually, there's a bit of a... This is where the the comparison breaks down because you've got the resolution in the movie where they do their own version of the snap uh, and then um, uh, non-scarred pasty Thanos emerges from the warp and they have a good old scrap with him over the new freshly retrieved um, Infinity Stones. Mm -hmm. But we don't really get an evaluation. Well, I suppose the evaluation is... I mean, that's this is again perhaps where why the model isn't ne- that necessarily that useful in some ways because we are constantly evaluating things all the time. It's sort of an inevitable step is that we look at have things turned out the way we want them to, you know, and everybody comes back. Um, oh yeah, of course there are two things that go wrong with it because the the um, that because of the whole thing that cycles wrong because Thanos because the two nebulas connect their brains, don't they? So mm. uh, that goes wrong as well. Um, 
So, yeah, so that's where the, the extra sort of complication comes in as well. But in the end, it's all okay. And you know it's all okay because everybody comes back. They might have been missing five years, but, um, you know, the blip is over. And that's your evaluation. Everybody sits around and going, oh, we got everyone back. You know, well. From, and only one person, only, you know, one Avenger died, or two Avengers died. Well, you do get a bit more evaluation, though, but you have to walk outside of Endgame for it. Oh, okay. WandaVision. WandaVision is weirdly the evaluation step. Oh, of, okay. Oh, yes, because yeah. of course Vision dies as well, so you've got three die. Yeah, and you're also, but you've got characters who are in a world where they have flipped and they're coping mm. with the aftermath of you know living in this world where superheroes have engaged in this massive battle and everybody's lost years of their life and people were kind of like yeah. spawning back in in midair. Um, and all sorts. Uh, just oh, and kind of in Spider-Man, the, spy, the second Spider-Man movie as well. You've got Far that. From Home. Far Excellent From Home, film. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so you do, weirdly, you kind of, you get those evaluative sort of reflections and things mm-hmm. in the subsequent movies playing out there and, and feeding into them, which weirdly takes you straight back to the beginning of the next, um, the beginning of the cycle. Yeah, I suppose this is, um, okay, I'm going to try and make this, back up my my position which is <laughs> <laughs> which is you don't need to have an acronym to tell you to evaluate things at the end because you will do that anyway because you know because looking around at the world around you that you've created is an inevitable part of that whole thing you know i mean at the end of bada bing bada bang they they know they've got vic back that's the evaluation you've got and um they've all learned a little bit about themselves as well but is that like saying that you know kolb's experiential learning cycle you know, who needs that? That's what people do. Yeah, I, I, I would say that. I mean, I, I think. <laughs> I mean, I think it. Screw I, you, I, Kolb, you jerk. <laughs> well, yeah, there's two of them, and they both. I mean, they're really only really saying what people do. I mean, maybe maybe there is an advantage to labelling the bloody obvious because that man makes it a bit more clearer to everybody. But I think you know the the idea that you think about things and then you. Um, do them and then you think about how well it went and then you change things as a result of that maybe having a label helps but i but i mean what i would say is that it, it what helps more it, it's not i don't think the framework in and of itself helps i think you have to i think it's too self-evident i think it's not adding anything new it's not addy isn't adding anything <laughs> it's it's only when you start to layer extra detail into that for your own specific use that it becomes something worth talking about i would agree with that okay and maybe that takes us quite neatly into the next part of the show because i think we have kind of answered the question because yeah. we've basically shown that the <laughs> addy framework is a bleedingly obvious framework and it you know does align okay against you know one of the sort of the oldest tropes in the book but like any real heist, the answer to the question wasn't so much the treasure as the quote I've just had from Mark, which is, maybe there is an advantage in labelling the bloody obvious because that makes it clearer to everybody, which for me feels like a small victory um, <laughs> okay. over the course of this episode. So let's take us into part three of the show where okay. we share uh, any remaining practical tips for okay. your own practice. Part three, practical tips for your own teaching. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, do you have any advances on your, your practical tips for people to take forwards based on any of this? Well, I suppose if drawing on the Addy model, I suppose my tip would be there is no harm in labelling the bleeding obvious, coming up with a fancy acronym, because who knows, if you do that, you might get a Wikipedia page dedicated to you. And I'll build on that and say, yeah, do it. Make okay. make your own make your own fun acronym for yeah. your own design process and own it. And you know, it'll be able it'll be a way for you to contextualize what you're doing and a way for you to to frame your own stories about how you're going through it and and explain and break down uh, how you'll be going about things, how how you'll be going about your own uh, design journey. Yeah, okay, you brought me around a bit. Is that in maybe not Addy itself, but as a as a as a kind of basic platform like your little bit of lego you know a block of lego is not that interesting but when you start to unpack it and add things to it and turn it into something you uh, that's useful for yourself then then that's when it becomes interesting and probably useful um but don't make a big deal of the of the simple simple brick to start with really because that's not where the that's not where the intelligence is 
Okay, cool. I've got nothing else to add. I mean, yeah. part of me kind of wants to just take two minutes to see if I can, we can come up with another funny frame. <laughs> should, we, should we each just pick a, a stupid word? Well, no, no. Just I, 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 I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, you do one now. I'll, I'll, um, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to look around for inspiration. <laughs> and I've got em- empty house. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got uh, got Mieville. <laughs> oh, like trying to Mieville. Ghibli. Oh, Ghibli, the Ghibli framework. Ooh. Yeah, come up with the Ghibli fame framework. Also, I'm glad you call it Ghibli, not Ghibli. Yeah, it's it's. I, I'm not. I, I don't. I know one is right and one is wrong, but I can't remember which is which now off the top of my head. Okay, I have really struggled with this. This part, this is not <laughs> oh. probably going to make me edit. But okay, so Ghibli, <laughs> go find out. Okay, <laughs> so pretty weak G. Have a plan. Okay. Iterate, build, learn, interrogate. That's pretty, that's really good. Because I think build. Uh, so yeah, uh, go find out. Basically, do your work out what you need to know. Yeah. Go find it out. Use that to make a plan. Yeah. Um, so your design specification. Um, iterate, which is your kind of uh, iterative design and prototyping mm-hmm. stage. Build it. Learn is what the students will be doing. What you'll be doing off the students, and then interrogate. Um, select random students who've displeased you um, and then yank them from their homes and take them to your secret <laughs> bunker to find out how their learning experience was. Okay. <laughs> um, or look at the data, interrogate the data. Yeah, interrogate interrogate sounds a lot, data. that sounds a lot more ethical. Oh, yeah. If it's, if it's anonymized and aggregated data, that is. It'd be interesting putting that through um, ethical sign-off just to see what their response would be. <laughs> I, think, I imagine they'd be quite pleased. They'd be like, oh, we never get an interesting one like this. <laughs> we never get one that's really easy to really like determine that it's unethical. Yeah. Normally they're just like, oh, GDPR incompliant. They're like, well, technically it's GDPR compliant because they're going to have sacks on their heads the whole time. <laughs> oh, good way to get the podcast cancelled. Um, anyway, <laughs> any, any closing words from you, Mark, before I close the episode off? Yeah, ultimately, my issue with Addy isn't that it's not useful. It's just that it's so ubiquitous, it doesn't really deserve its own acronym. Um, so in which case, come up with your own. Get your own Wikipedia page. Sounds good to me. I, I look forward to seeing which Wikipedia page gets approved first. Will it be the Bumholes <laughs> model or will it be the Ghibli model? Let's find out. I'll race you. Okay, well, I'll close the episode then. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, then uh, brilliant, excellent, well done, good for you. Um, you can let us uh, know how you found it, or if you've got anything that you'd like us to focus on in a future episode. Uh, on the Twitters, I am at Pedagodzilla. I'm at Mock Childs. Anyway, we love you lots, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye now. Bye. <laughs>